associate pastor. I'll be bringing the word today. So let's pray and prepare our hearts. Father God, we come before you and we thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you are a living God, a powerful God, and that you do, in fact, speak. And Lord, right now, I ask that you would help me to articulate and to speak what you're, what you're saying. And Lord, I also pray that you would give us all eyes to see and that you would impart faith to us in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, there's been like, you don't know it yet, but there was a lot of confirmation. Like almost everything that was said is pointed to what I'm about to share with you. So I'm feeling really, really good about this. I've got a lot of faith. Um, as I was, as I literally will we'll go through and you're gonna be like, oh, that was in that word. So, so first of all, as I was preparing to speak, and I kind of already uh, kind of made mention of it, I felt like there were a lot of people crying out to God and the prayers in one way or another, our prayer lives have really looked like, oh God, help, deliver, rescue, pull me out of this. And I felt like the Lord was saying that he has no intention of pulling you out of it because this is not a rescue. This is a development. This is not, oh, I'm here to deliver you out of your problems, but right where you are, I'm going to develop you in your problems, and I'm going to deliver you through your problems. I'm not going to pull you out of the mess. I'm going to deliver you through the mess, and it really comes down to your identity. And we'll get, we'll get into this, so if you're not tracking everything, that's okay, because we're just going to work our way through this. But we, the, the title of my message is, Warring from Identity. So as we, as, we, as we step into this, I felt like the Lord was showing me that there are a lot of people, like I said, that were crying out, Oh God, help! Oh God, deliver! Oh God, rescue! Oh God, do this! Oh God, do that! And the Lord is not in a way, answering your prayers in the way that you and I are asking him to. And when we, when we want to be delivered and God wants to develop, we begin to get mad at God. We begin to lose heart. Sometimes we begin to lose faith because I'm praying and God's not doing anything to deliver me out of this situation. Therefore, God, where are you? Or God, are you even real? And so when we, when we are not partnering with what God is doing in the given moment, we find ourselves fighting against him and getting frustrated with him. And so, and so I want you to see this idea today that this is the image that came into my mind. I saw the Lord and he had a sword in his hand and he was forging and he was fashioning and he was shaping this sword. And I felt like the idea was that you are the weapon in his hand. You and I are the weapon that is being forged right now. And you are a weapon in his hand. But right now, we don't like what he's doing. But the Lord is developing and forging and sharpening the blade. And so I want to turn to a passage of scripture that kind of conveys some of this idea. It's out of Judges chapter 3. And this is when the people of Israel had first... 
uh, relatively early come into the promised land. God had, a, had a, a physical land for them to obtain, and when they went into that land, they conquered a lot. They conquered a lot of kings, but God purposefully left some enemy nations in their land. God purposefully did not give them complete victory for a reason. And so there's just a couple of verses I want you to see here. Judges chapter 3, verse 1. Now these are the nations which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. So there are giants that God has left in your life that he wants you to take down. Think about that for a moment. Soak it in. There's a lot of things going on in our lives. There's a lot of circumstances in our lives. There's a lot of people in our lives. There's macro things on national levels, and there's micro things that are happening at work and in our own house. And the Lord is saying, I'm not going to pull you out of this. I purposefully have allowed this so you can overcome. Because it's in the process of you learning how to war that you become a weapon in my hand that I can wield. You literally are being formed right now for your future. And the Lord has a future in mind for you and me. And it's not to be weak. And it's not to be anemic. I think a lot of times we're like, Lord, we're weak, we're weak, we're weak, we're weak. Just rescue us. And the Lord says, you are weak. But now I'm going to come and be with you. And I'm going to mold you. And I'm going to make you strong. And I'm going to make you powerful. And I'm going to make you more than a conqueror. I w- I've been reading the book of Revelation here lately. And, you know, I know the book of Revelation, it, there's always, you know, the first thing that comes to our mind is probably the beast or, you know, the mark of the beast, 666, and plagues and wars and people dying and end of the world. But one of the, the things that you see as a theme when you go through the book of Revelation is, overcoming it talks about jesus has overcome and then jesus is causing us to overcome and when you if you if you take some time to read the book of revelation just start paying attention to the idea of overcoming and you'll begin to see a whole new picture of the book of revelation because as we march forward into our future and i you know i i hope this isn't a prophetic word i really hope that this word's a now word and not a word that I'm warning you for the future. But if, even if it is for the future, that the Lord is preparing you to overcome in your future. Amen. So, I just want you to see this basic idea that right now, the Lord wants to teach you how to fight the battles. Think about this. We want God to fight our battles so we don't have to. And there is a place for that. But what I'm talking to you today is the Lord wants to develop the muscles 
the skill, the wisdom, the knowledge, so that you know how to overcome the demonic. So you know how to overcome depression. We're like, God, just take away the depression. And God says, I'm going to develop you so you can overcome depression. Lord, I, I feel so discouraged. Please encourage me. And the God's like, well, I can encourage you, but you need to learn the art of warfare of how to encourage yourself. You can encourage yourself in the Lord. God, I need to know, just give me love for people. And the Lord's like, well, I will give you love for people, but I'm going to develop this patience thing in you and this kindness thing in you and this gentleness. Like, God, I don't want you to develop gentleness. Just take away all the people that are forcing me to be gentle. Like, the Lord is, is, is working us, molding us, and shaping us. He's like, I want you to, to know how to war against the demonic realm. I want you to know how to bind and to loose and how to pray and how to get the victory day in and day out. I'm not going to do it for you. The salvation was done for you, but now we're going to step into the next thing where you begin to carry God's nature and God's character because if God is king of the universe and we're his kids, that makes us royalty. That makes you nobility. And so I want to I kind of look at then how do we war in this season? Well, this could take a long time if we were to go about every single thing. But I want to give you guys a foundational idea that everything else I believe is built upon when it comes to doing spiritual warfare and learning how to win in life. And that is coming back to this idea that we war from identity. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we go. But I want you to turn, if you have your Bible, to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. This is Jesus and his disciples. Verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, the first thing I want you to see in that first verse is Caesarea Philippi. And what you need to know is that when Jesus is standing there, he is standing at a very occultic place. The occult has been there, and I think it's the, the, the god Pan or whatever, and they, they have been doing terrible occultic things for centuries. So when Jesus asked this question, he is literally standing at the door of a demonic stronghold. Does that make sense? A place where the enemy has held this territory for a long time, and Jesus goes into the enemy's territory, and he asks a question. And the question is, who do all these people think that I am? Who do the crowds say that I am? Verse 14, so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, all of those people are dead. So people are saying, we think somebody came back to life and you're just an Old Testament prophet raised to life. 
But verse 15, Jesus says to them, but who do you say that I am? That's a big, big deal. Because the identity of God is really the starting point of just about everything. The identity of Jesus is just about everything that everything else is built off of. So the first question is, who do you say that Jesus is? Because that determines everything, both in terms of salvation, but also in terms of getting victory. Now Peter gives the answer, and he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Christ. He's saying, you're the Messiah. I know who you are. I know your identity. You see, name, Kim Elder gave the word. I know you by name. I know you by name. I think it was said like four times. I know you by name. Your name defines your identity. And we'll come unpack this a little bit further as we go. But I want you to see here that the starting point is who do you say that Jesus is? Now, in Romans uh, chapter, I believe, 10, I want you to see a scripture verse here. It says here, this is how a person gets saved. This is how you get into heaven. This is, this is the, the nitty-gritty right here. That if you confess with your mouth. Kim Cooney talked about our mouths. Remember? Unclean lips. What we're talking about today has a lot to do with confession of your mouth. Okay? If you confess with your mouth, what? Not just Jesus. Lord Jesus, right? But you are right, Jesus. Yes. Lord Jesus. Well, why does that matter? Because if Jesus is not Lord then you're not saved. So, I want you to see this. It's with your mouth. It's not with your ideas. It's not just in your mind. When spirit, the spiritual world is built around your mouth, that is a key ingredient to warring. All right, if you're not fully tracking me, that's okay. We're going to connect the dots as we go. Confession of the mouth, we confess the Lord Jesus. You be in charge. That's Lord. And then you believe in your heart. That word believe is not, I mentally agree that Jesus is the Son of God. I mentally agree that Jesus is my Savior. No, it is, I, it, the word means to put your confidence in, to put your trust in, to literally give your entire life in saying, God, it's you or we're not going anywhere else. I will go, you will be Lord, and I will put all my confidence in you. So he's saying you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart. Those are two important ingredients for learning to wage spiritual warfare and learning how to operate in the kingdom. The kingdom is built upon what you speak and what you believe. Confession, trusting. Confession, believing. If you confess it and you don't believe it, it doesn't do anything. If you believe it and you don't say it, it doesn't do anything. 
But when you take these spiritual realities, these two, two tools here, that is how you enter into the kingdom. That is how you become saved. That's how you become what the Bible says, born again. Because when you say that, you put your trust in Jesus, you confess it, then the Holy Spirit comes upon your invitation. And you become reborn, born again, a brand new creature. Verse 10, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So I want to go back now to Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? Peter makes a declaration of faith. With his mouth, he declares, he believes, he confesses what? The identity of God. And when you declare the identity of God, we'll see what happens in verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon. Do you guys know his name is Simon? That's his name. His name is Simon. Bar is son of Jonah. So he is Simon, son of Jonah. Why is he blessed? Because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So God the Father has given him a secret. He believes, he confesses. Verse 18, And I also say to you that you are Peter. The name Peter means rock, but really what it means, it's like a fragment of rock. You are a piece of rock, which also is what Caitlin talked about. Rocks. I was laughing today in worship because I'm like, this is hilarious. This is hilarious. I haven't gotten this much confirmation on a word, you know, in probably a couple of years. This is, this is so funny. Peter, you are a piece of rock. And on this rock, now the, now the other word rock is not the same word. It's a similar word, but it means the rock. Peter, you're a rock. And on this rock, you are a piece of this rock. I will build my church. And the gates, remember where we are, in an occultic place. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Think about gates. What do gates do? They, they, they play defense. Have you ever been chased by gates? Have you ever been assaulted by them? Because if you listen to the way a lot of us Christians talk, we're like, oh, the devil's after me. He's just chasing me down, and I'm running. And the gates are chasing me down, and we're like, oh, Lord, help me from gates. No. Listen, gates play defense. We play offense. All right? You're not a weak peon. You're not this poor, anemic Christian. The devil is afraid of you. Let that sink in. When our kids hardly ever had nightmares, hardly ever. But if they did, you'd guarantee it'd be on a Saturday night. Guarantee. And so, whenever our kids would wake up with a nightmare when they were little, they would be all scared. And I'm like, wow, this is really encouraging. And they'd be like, you know, five years old. What? Yeah, 
the devil's really afraid of you for some reason. He's so afraid of you, he's trying to scare you into staying away from attacking him. Because the devil plays defense. We are more than conquerors through Christ. In Joel chapter 3, I believe it's verse 10, the scriptures say, Let the weak say, I am strong. I am strong. What's your narrative? What's your thought life like? Is it like, oh, I'm just so weak, I'm just so weak, I'm just so weak. There's no hope for me. God help me because I just can't do it for myself. I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. And God looks at you and says, declare you are strong. Let the weak do what? They say. You confess with your mouth. You believe in your heart. What? What the Lord says about you. You take the scripture, you take prophetic words, you take the weapons the Lord gives you, and then you wield them with your mouth, and you believe it in your heart. So, here we go. So he says, you're Peter, you're Simon, you are a rock. I am changing your identity. Simon means hearing, or to hear, or heard. Simon, you are hearing, and to those that are hearing and believing and confessing, I will tell you who you are. You are a rock. Now, if you know Simon's story, he's not very rock-like. But identity comes first in Christ. And then behavior begins to follow suit after the fact. And not always right away. I think we all know from experience... The Lord says things to us all the time that are in scriptures and he'll say things to us personally. And oftentimes it's very difficult to believe it because you and I both know what we're like. But God declares who you are. And when he declares who you are, we have no choice. We have to believe him. And he says, I look at you. I don't see you like everybody else sees you. I see a rock. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I believe those keys are the keys of revelation. I wish I could unpack this further, but I have to stay focused on my actual sermon. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. How do you bind? How do you loose? With your mouth. The scriptures actually, I don't know why they translate it this way, but I've heard people say, I don't really know Greek, just so you know. I don't want to pretend like I'm a genius here. But, But people that know Greek say, this is not saying whatever you bind here is going to get bound up in heaven. It's like, no, no, no. It's actually saying that we are to, to make a long story short, there's no sin, there's no demonic, there's none of this in heaven. So what is in heaven, you carry that into fulfillment on the earth. There's none of this in heaven, therefore I am to bind that. There's joy in heaven, so I am to loose that. Whatever is in heaven is, I have been given the keys. The keys of revelation, the keys of the gifts, and I am to impart those things by declaration. Are you guys doing okay? 
I'm not even close to halfway. So we're going we're gonna to cover a lot of ground really fast, actually. I'm probably halfway. All right. So I want you to see here in this passage, when Peter tells Jesus who Jesus is, Jesus tells Peter who Peter is. When you know the identity of God, then God tells you who you are. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. This is years and years of me soaking in this truth for myself. Now I want to now turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And I want to look at just one verse. In this manner, therefore pray. This is verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, in a Catholic town like Butte, everybody probably knows this verse. And, the, and how to quote this without even thinking about it. Now, Jesus is not merely giving his disciples a two-minute or one-and-a-half-minute one prayer. He's giving them a template of how you approach the throne room. When you approach the throne room, you start in this manner. This is how we, this is how we start our prayer life. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What is God's name? Now, what makes this so difficult to say is a lot of people be like, Jesus, or Yahweh, or El Shaddai. If you go through the Bible, God's name is all over the place, and it's a couple hundred, probably at least a couple hundred different names. Why is that? Because name defines identity. Name defines function. So when we say, what is God's name? He's really talking about this idea of uh, Moses' experience in the burning bush. I know, we're, we're flying today. Exodus chapter 3. Go to Exodus chapter 3. All right. Sorry if you're on a treadmill. Exodus chapter 3. This is near the beginning of your Bible. The Lord is about to reveal his name to Moses. All right, we're going to look in verse 10. This is God talking to Moses, telling Moses, I'm sending you out of the desert to go to Egypt. All right, verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? God is coming to Moses, a man who is broken, humble, just taking care of sheep in the middle of the desert. And God comes and tells him, Hey, I have a big assignment for you. You're going to talk to the most important person on the earth and you're going to walk up to him and tell him to let his people go. Excuse me. And then you're going to lead over a million people 
out of the most powerful nation. You're going to deliver them out of slavery. It's going to be great, and I'll bring you back to this mountain. And Moses starts where we all do, his identity. We, you know, when the Lord calls us to do something, we always start by telling God, I can't do that. God, who am I? When I get around people that are powerful or people that are, you know, we would call mighty or maybe they're famous, I start to look at me and get insecure. When I get around other pastors that are like world-renowned, legendary, and you get around them, you're just like, uh, I'll just not even talk to them because I just don't feel like I'm good enough to talk to them. And that's what we do in those types of circumstances. The Lord is wanting to break off this grasshopper complex that so many of us live under. Because the Lord does not see you like everybody else sees you. And the Lord does not see you like you see you. We look at our weakness, we look at our frailty, we look at our brokenness, we look at our circumstances, and then we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart, I'll never be free from this addiction. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that I am a slave to sin and I'm, I am what I am and I'll never be the same. And I'll never change and I can't, I can't overcome this and I can't do this. My life will always look like this. And we just confess it and we confess it and we confess it and we believe it and we believe it and we believe it and we wear that identity and it paralyzes us from our destiny. God, I cannot be a tool in your hand because you are so limited by me. God, I, I don't want people to look like an idiot. People will make fun of me. People will, you know, you could go on and on with all of our wonderful excuses. God, who am I? And that's the question that we're all running around looking for. God, who am I? You know, this is not just a teenager thing. This is not just a young adult thing. I think we all walk around subconsciously and sometimes consciously. Who am I? You know, we find our identity in what we can do with our hands, or we find our identity in our job. We find our identity in what other people say about us, or the fact that we're married, or whether we're single, whether we're rich, or whether we're poor, because we find our identity in what other people say. We find our identity in our achievements, you mean, you name it, but we're people that are starving for identity. We have people in schools right now that think they're a cat. Why? They're starving for an identity. And when we say to people, hey, listen, to a child, hey, you figure it out. You just discover who you are and you find your identity. I view that as child abuse. Because... Identity is not discovered, it's spoken into their lives. God, the, your Father, who is your Creator, who willed you into existence, He gets to define who you are, He gets to call you who you are, He gets to be the judge of everything He called you to be. And a lot of us are not even operating out of the identity that He speaks over you. Because we're just, we believe the lie, we believe we're this, we believe we're that, and the Lord comes into your life, and he just kind of slaps us around sometimes, not really, but he, he has with me. He has with me, because he, he's like, Daniel, you know better. You know better. Like, I, I, have, I have lived this, I have worked through this, and I still have times where the Lord will come to me and, and gently, actually, he's pretty gentle, and he'll rebuke me, like, Daniel, that's not who you are. 
Daniel, you're a leader. Daniel, you are a pastor. Daniel, I have spoken identity over you. Why are you acting like you're this weak person? Get up. Lead. You're a warrior. This is who you are. And so when we see Moses, we all folks, God, who am I? And this is where it all comes back to the identity of God. God, who am I that I should bring them? Who am I that I should do this? Verse 12. So he said, I, this is God, I will certainly be with you. This is where, this is where it matters. You're not alone. You're never alone. I think we have, that was in the word today too. You are not alone. He is with you. And this will be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? What is, what is your name? Because in their culture, they knew that there was a God for the you know, a sun God. There was a cat God. There was a God of fertility. There was a God of getting good crops. There was a God for thunder. Like, you name it, every God had a function, and they defined that God by his name. So how can I define you? What is your identity? And this is what God says, I am who I am. Now, you might have heard the term Yahweh. You might have heard the term Jehovah. You might have heard people say it a different way. You know why people say this name Yahweh or Jehovah different ways? It's because we don't know how to pronounce it. Because the Hebrew people believed the name was so holy that it shouldn't be spoken. And so they stopped saying it. And so now we don't know how to pronounce it. So that's why you might see different versions. But the idea, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So what is God's name? I am. What does that mean? I am what? Well, the question is, is I am, and then there's this blank at the end of it. Now, Pastor Tim, I know, talked about this about a year ago, but we, we need to camp on this some more. God's identity is I am, well, one of his names is Yahweh Shalom. I am peace. Another one is Yahweh Sidkenu. I am righteousness. Yahweh Rofa. I am healer. I am, well, so it's another one. Yahweh Nissi, I am banner. And so when I, like, uh, I, I watched uh, a guy named Dr. Larry Lee talk about this many years ago, where when you pray, say, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's not just saying that and moving on to the next thing. It's taking time to, Father, I praise you, for you are Yahweh Shalom. You are the Lord God, my peace. I praise you, God, that you're my peace. Well, right now I'm feeling really anxious. Well, that's really good, because I praise you, God, that you're my peace, even though I feel anxious. Lord, I praise you, for you are Yahweh Yira. You are the Lord God who sees, and the inference is that he is your provider. God, I'm broke. I praise you that you are the Lord God, my provider. Lord, I praise you that I feel so dirty and unclean and I, I've been sinning and in bondage. And 
Lord, I praise you that you literally are my righteousness. And so I began, and I would take 20 minutes declaring these ideas. Because think about the body armor. Think about the body armor of Christ. Who is our helmet of salvation? Who is our salvation? Jesus. This is is not a trick question. It's Jesus. Who is our righteousness? That's our breastplate of righteousness. For our belt of truth, who is truth? For our shoes of peace, who is our peace? He doesn't just have it. He is it. Who is the word of God, the sword of the spirit? It's Jesus. And our shield of faith is Jesus. So when you put on the body armor found in the book of Ephesians, you're putting on Christ. When you tell him who he is, he tells you who you are, and your identity is found in his identity. So what, I know I need a, like at least two more services to preach the rest of this to you, but the, I, I, what I want you to see is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to crash the plane, is that if you will take time just every day to just declare what you need. You don't have to know all the Hebrew names. I, it helped me focus. But you don't have to know Yahweh Shalom is this. But literally, what do you need? Do you need righteousness because you feel dirty? Do you need courage? Then he'll be that for you. So begin to praise him. Lord, I thank you that boldness does not come from me. Boldness comes from you. God, I thank you that you are strong and courageous. And wait a minute. If God is strong and courageous, then I'm strong and courageous. God, I thank you that you're my father. Well, if he, he's the father, then that makes me his son. And you begin to, as you begin to take time to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and if you discover all the names of God throughout the Bible, every time you discover one of those, take that and put it in your bag, and let that be a weapon for you. As you discover the nature, the character, the identity of God, And you begin to confess with your mouth, believe it, and declare who he is over your situation. You're going to learn how to war. Because everything that he is defines your identity. You guys want to stand up? If I could have the prayer team come up here to the front. In just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal. And uh, if you would like prayer for anything, if you want prayer for a physical need, an emotional need, a situation, or if you would like to give your life to Jesus, if you're here and you say, Daniel, that Romans chapter 10 thing where you talked about confessing that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart, I would like to do that. I would like to pray that prayer. Then, they will guide you in making that confession with your mouth and believing in your heart and inviting Jesus into your life. So I'll pray and then um, you can come up for prayer and, and you'll, otherwise you'll be dismissed. Father God, we thank you so much that in you is life. And Lord, I pray that your life would permeate in this word. God, as there were many things I, I was unable to say, But Lord, I pray right now that you would breathe your breath on every person. That you would speak clearly to every person. God, that all the anxiety and all the busyness and all the things that would distract 
in our lives, Lord. I just pray that those things would just calm down right now. And I command every unclean spirit to be silent right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for your peace and your presence to fill every person. And Lord, we believe in you. We believe in you. And God, we yield to you. Just take a moment. Whatever you need God to be in your life, just take a moment to praise him for that. That he will be it for you. You are not alone. You are not alone. God sees you. He will give you new strength. He will impart grace. God, I pray that you give your people great faith in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. Thank you.